Hey everyone, this is Mike DeBliss. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about what legal entity you should choose for your small business. I'm going to talk about the sole proprietorship, the limited partnership. We'll discuss corporations, limited liability companies, and then we'll move on to talking about the costs of formation and maintenance tax consequences, and uh, end with state of formation. Uh, So this is basically meant to give you a breakdown of the various legal entities that exist and to give you an idea or plant a seed in your head for uh, which ones might be most suitable for your new business. So the way to back into this is to recognize that one of the key decisions you have to make at the early stages of starting your new company is whether to operate the business as a sole proprietor or structure it as a limited partnership, limited liability company, or corporation. We often throw these terms around, but it's important to know the details of each one because uh, they're creatures in and of themselves and um, in some cases, they might be, it might be black and white as to what legal entity is best for your small business. In other cases, it may be a gray area where you need to consult with a uh, business attorney or a tax professional to determine at the end of the day which one is going to serve your needs and uh, fulfill your purpose. Let's begin with the sole proprietorship. A sole proprietor is someone who owns an unincorporated business by himself. Sole proprietors do not enjoy the benefit of the legal distinction between the individual and the business like the corporation does. And so the sole proprietor is personally liable for all of the debts and other obligations of the business. Now, a limited partnership is an association of two or more people who carry on as co-owners of a business for profit. A limited partnership must have at least one limited partner and one general partner. So those that's the bare minimum requirement. There must be at least one limited partner and one general partner. So what? let's begin with the general partners. They're personally liable for all of the debts and obligations of the business but the limited partners typically are not. So that's one distinction right there. Again, the general partners are personally liable for the debts and obligations of the business. Limited partners typically aren't. Limited partners, however, may not participate in the management of the business or they'll lose their limited liability status. So while it is good that uh, the limited partners Um, may not be personally liable for the debts and obligations of the business, it's important to recognize that they may not participate in the management of the business or they'll lose their limited liability status. How is a limited partnership formed? Well, it's formed by executing a partnership agreement and filing a certificate of limited partnership with the Department of State. Corporations. So what is a corporation? A corporation is a legal entity. It is, um, for all intents and purposes, a creature unto itself. It's a separate being. Um, When when you think about that, you almost think about like um, 
uh, a second head sticking out of the shoulder of a an alien or something. But it is it it is a legal entity which is separate and distinct from the individual shareholders. And so as a legal entity, it grants limited liability to its owners or what we would call shareholders. Therefore, the shareholders of a corporation generally are not personally liable for the debts and obligations of the business. Now, there is a theory under the law called piercing of the corporate veil. And I'm going to talk about that in another podcast because that legal theory could actually cause the shareholders to be personally liable for the debts and obligations of the business if they are not adhering with the uh, requirements um, of being a corporation. And again, that's a topic for a future podcast. But generally speaking, the shareholders of a corporation aren't personally liable for the debts and obligations of the corporation. In a corporation, shareholders basically have voting power. They can vote on certain significant matters and they directly or indirectly elect management. When I talk of management, I'm referring to directors and officers. The management is then responsible for operating the business. Now, you've probably heard um, that there are two different types of corporations. There's what's called a C-Corp, and then there's what's called an S-Corporation. An S-Corporation isn't necessarily a type of corporation as much as it is a uh, tax, um, as much as it refers to special uh, tax um, as much as it refers to a special tax um, uh, uh, tax element of uh, formation. And I've talked about that in other podcasts. Um, but essentially, an S corporations uh, de- is uh, designate, a corporation is designated as an S corporation um, because of a particular tax um, incentive that, Um, distinguishes it from a C corporation. So let's talk about how a corporation is formed. It's formed by filing a certificate of incorporation with the Department of State and by preparing bylaws. Now S corporations can issue only one class of company stock and are limited to a maximum of 100 individual shareholders, all of whom must be US residents. Very important uh, to note that. So um, any um, non any person any non U.S. resident who, for example, um, is the one hundredth shareholder, could very well rock the boat on the classification of the corporation as an S corp because again the requirement is that all of the individual shareholders must be U.S. residents, and of course uh, there is a limit to the number of individual shareholders that an S-Corp can have, and that uh, is capped at 100. Limited liability companies. These are oftentimes considered the holy grail for small businesses because of the various incentives that it offers um, the owners, as well as the limited liability that it affords owners, um, as one can see in its name. So what is a limited liability? It's an unincorporated organization of one or more members. So there has to be at least one member. 
each having limited liability for the contractual and other liabilities of the company. The owners of an LLC are referred to as members. So unlike partnerships where you have uh, two classifications of partners that we talked about earlier, where there's a general partner and a limited partner, in an LLC they're all referred to as members. LLCs can be managed by the members like a general partnership or by one or more managers like a limited partnership. The managers of an LLC may or may not be members. Members are required to adopt an operating agreement which sets forth the rights and obligations of the members and how the company will be operated. So it's kind of like an operating well, it is an operating agreement, and um, it basically puts forth the rights and obligations of the members and how the company will be operated. It's like the um, you know it, it, it's like the uh, charter, so to speak, uh, where it you know where it basically describes how this company is going to be operated, and um, it's good to draft that up front because. Uh, that way you actually have to sit down with other members and f uh, uh, flesh all of this out. And in some cases, um, you know, where there are um, where there are ideas that other people have, um, fleshing this out in the beginning stages is often good because later on, if there's any misunderstanding, there could it could end in a, um, dissolution of the LLC and in a very bitter um, dispute between members. So getting this out in the beginning is often very helpful and what better way to do that than through the operating agreement. So how is the LLC formed? It's formed by filing articles of organization with the Department of State and preparing an operating agreement. Now, LLCs offer a number of advantages over S-corporations. For starters, LLCs can offer several different classes of membership with different rights. Um, there's also um, no restriction on the number of individuals, um, corporations, and partnerships who can participate in an LLC. It's unlimited. Whereas, if you remember, with the S corporation, it's capped at 100. LLCs and, for that matter, limited partnerships generally operate with fewer formalities and enjoy greater flexibility in their business operations and management than corporations do. And here's a quick and dirty example to illustrate this. An LLC doesn't have to have a board of directors. So, uh, whereas with um, a corporation um, and the necessity of having a board of directors. Um, again, an LLC is kind of like a loosely formed corporation. There's no requirement that there be a board of directors, nor is there any requirement that the LLC scrupulously adhere to certain reporting requirements, uh, nor are they subject to the same arduous rules, disclosures, and expensive accounting as a corporation. Furthermore, unlike corporations, LLCs and partnerships have flexibility in allocating business profits. So these are all these are some of the things that distinguish LLCs from 
uh, corporations and uh, make them um, an enticing business entity for um, those who are launching small businesses. Let's talk now about costs of formation and maintenance. LLCs and partnerships are much easier to operate and maintain than corporations. We already discussed one of the reasons. There's no um, requirement that uh, for accounting. Um, and accounting can get very expensive very quickly when you talk about um, having to delve into the weeds, so to speak, and hire a CPA to, um, you know, to uh, show uh, gross income, expenses, net losses. As you can imagine, um, your head's already probably spinning around in circles thinking about all of those spreadsheets and all of the hieroglyphics uh, that go along with an accounting. And um, at the same time, the LLCs and partnerships don't have to comply with these um, arduous rules, uh, the same arduous rules as corporations do. So they're perceived as being easier to operate and maintain than corporations. However, forming LLCs and partnerships in New Jersey, um, and New York for that matter, involve greater upfront out-of-pocket costs than many other legal entities. Formation costs may also include attorney fees for an operating agreement for your LLC or a partnership agreement for your limited partnership. So sometimes that gets overlooked. The fact that there are um, that there's an, that there are attorney fees that go into drafting an operating agreement if you're going with an LLC, or attorney fees that go along with drafting a partnership agreement if you are forming a limited partnership. Other costs include IRS form fees, because there are IRS forms that accompany uh, both of these um, creatures, um, as well as fees for obtaining licenses or permits to operate your business in the state that you're operating it in. Let's get into the tax consequences. Um, I think that's like paramount um, when it comes to selecting an entity. It's not the be-all, end-all, but it's one of the uh, driving, um, or it's one of the driving things or impetuses behind which business entity uh, small businesses select. Beginning with C corporations, they're subject to double taxation, and here's what I mean by that. Um, if you recall earlier, I talked about how the corporation is a separate creature than the shareholders. Um, it's basically considered an individual in the world of tax um, and is even um, given that designation in the Internal Revenue Code. The corporation pays federal income tax on its profits. The shareholders pay income tax on any dividends they receive and there is double taxation of capital gains upon dissolution or upon the ending of the corporation. So here's what I mean. If the corporation decides to issue dividends or make a distribution to the individual shareholders, the corporation first pays federal income tax on the profits before it makes the distribution or the dividends to the individual shareholders. So that's the first layer of taxation, the federal income tax on the profits of the corporation. 
when the shareholders receive the distribution or dividend, they in turn have to pay income tax on those dividends that they receive. So what's happening here is that if we start out with, say, $50,000 in profits that the corporation has and which the corporation intends to delegate in the form of dividends to its shareholders, $50,000, let's say that there are uh, five shareholders and that each shareholder is going to receive a distribution of $5,000. Well, here's how the pie is divvied up. That $50,000 is subject to federal income tax payable to the IRS. And let's say um, that after it's taxed, it's now $30,000. Well, now that $30,000 is distributed among the five remain the five shareholders at six thousand dollars each so each um, individual shareholder would receive six thousand dollars because thirty thousand dollars is what's left after the fifty thousand dollars is taxed the six thousand um, dollars dividend that each shareholder receives is in turn must in turn be reported by that shareholder and is subject to tax. So at the end of the day, depending on what the tax bracket of that shareholder uh, that shareholder is in, that $6,000 could very easily be uh, reduced to $4,000 or less, depending again on the tax bracket that that individual shareholder is in. These days, it's uh, looking to be around 31, 32%. Um, as a result of tax reform um, because that's what our individual income tax rate um, has gone down to. It used to be around 35%. So, um, and then the other issue I was talking about before is that there is double taxation of capital gains upon dissolution of the corporation. On the other hand, S corporations and LLCs combine many of the advantages of a C corporation, such as limited liability, with the flexibility of a partnership, such as pass-through taxation. So what does pass-through taxation mean? It means that the partnership is not subject to income tax like the corporation is. So if we're using that example of $50,000, it doesn't get taxed at the entity level because a partnership is not considered a uh, separate creature in the same way that a corporation is from its individual shareholders. The partners, however, um, have to pay income tax on, um, you know, on their, on whatever share they're getting because it's a pass-through. Um, however, the partners, and it's important to note this, are individually liable um, for their shares of the business income, and that's um, you know that's that means that that means that the partners in a partnership do not um, uh, do not escape taxation at all. It just means that the partnership at the partnership level there is no taxation of the profits. They simply pass through or flow to the individual partners, who in turn are individually liable. For their shares of the business's income, meaning that they must report that those profits uh, to the IRS and pay taxes on the profits that they receive. S corp corporations for federal income tax purposes are treated as a corporation for New York tax purposes. 
and this is basically dealing with New York. Um, and um, suffice to say, in other states, uh, other states follow the New York model as well. So what that means is that S corporations formed in New York are subject to a New York State Corporation franchise tax. However, if it's anticipated that your startup will experience net operating losses initially, making an S election can be desirable. And that's actually how a corporation uh, gets to be an S corporation by making an election. Let's talk about buying and selling LLC and partnership interests. The first thing to recognize here is that uh, buying and selling LLC and partnership interests is not uh, child's play. It raises complicated tax issues. In contrast, buying and selling corporate stock is is pretty much straightforward. Um, we do this all the time. It happens on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, stock is exchanged and sold uh, freely. And um, again, it is it happens. Um, it's it's a lot less um, complicated than the tax issues that arise when it comes to buying and selling LLC and partnership interests. One reason why the sale of LLC interest is so complicated is that a member's basis in an LLC interest changes frequently. And an example of that is that the allocations of LLC profits and losses to the members, distribution of LLC cash and other assets to members and admission of new members all cause for a litany of um, complicated and overlapping uh, issues that um, you know are enough to cause even a CPA a migraine and so um, this is one of the reasons why the sale of LLC interest is so complicated um, and whenever you hear the word members basis or simply basis you know that you're getting into an accounting issue and that that is going to um, necessitate an accountant getting involved so all this to say, before you start your new company, you should get some legal advice in advance. At least um, speak to an attorney to help you with some tax planning and restructuring so that you can see what alternatives um, might work better for you and which vehicle or business entity is going to help you, um, best, you know, best advance your interests. And it's important to note that there's, you know, that there isn't one size that fits all here. Um, everybody comes to the table with different goals and um, different end games. There are some people that are starting small businesses because they want to be able to sell them in the near future. Other people are, you know, starting a business with other family members and would like to see it go. Um, in you know be passed down from generation to generation and so those are two separate goals and that can drive the type of business entity that is selected and um, and and uh, and that's best suitable suited for the business owners state of formation once you decide what entity you plan to form you should give some thought to which state the proposed entity will be formed if your business is going to be conducted primarily within, say, New Jersey, there probably isn't a, 
isn't a, a reason to incorporate it in another state. And the reason why that is significant is because a foreign company usually has to qualify to do business in New Jersey. And in order to qualify, part of that means paying fees in addition to a litany of paperwork. So if you know that your business is going to be conducted primarily within one state, and in this example I gave New Jersey, then it probably isn't necessary to incorporate in another state. Now you will have companies that are incorporated in, um, in other states primarily because of strategic advantages that can be gained by incorporating in other states. For example, Delaware is considered to be a very friendly uh, haven for uh, business and um, many of uh, the judges that oversee these cases that go to litigation are very uh, versatile in um, business organizations and um, have a firmer grasp on um, business organization issues than um, judges in other states. So Delaware tends to be a very favorable uh, venue or jurisdiction for incorporating a business. And that's why you uh, will see companies that uh, are in the Midwest or even as far west as California that um, primarily do business in California but are incorporated in Delaware. Since the most frequent reason for choosing one entity type over another and the ultimate decision as to its state of formation is based on the perceived, usually based on the perceived tax benefits, you should consult a, an accountant for advice prior to forming the entity. Um, and we covered this earlier. You know, again, I can't state this enough. Um, because tax um, benefits um, are one of the driving forces in what um, type of entity you form, um, in addition to, of course, uh, the uh, the state of formation, uh, you always want to include an accountant in the decision about um, what type of entity is best suited for you. So while these types of business, en business entities are similar in some respects, as you can see there are significant differences regarding formation requirements, startup costs, operational formalities, and tax consequences. Um, you just you cannot go wrong by seeking professional advice in advance before um, beginning your maiden voyage on your startup. Um, again, it's far better to know in advance uh, what uh, the ground rules are and um, you know and how these different business organizations operate um, because later on down the line it may be too late, especially if there is, litigation on the horizon or especially if there is um, uh, if there are issues that arise between the individual members or partners um, that might otherwise um, you know have been dealt with if in the beginning the members or partners had sat down and uh, done some more uh, research into uh, which business formation or which business entity was best suited for them. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a, a shout. You can always email me at mjdebliss at thebliss.com. My 